Hello and welcome to Inside Out episode 46. Today's guest is the beautiful Tara Hegarty. Tara is the CEO and founder of Dawn Warrior. As a mindset expert and life design strategist, she helps women to master their morning and redesign their life. With qualifications in psychology and counselling, she has just released her first book, Dawn Warrior, a modern mama's guide to harnessing your power and creating a life you love. In today's episode, Tara shares her experiences in motherhood and how this has reshaped her identity by redefining her routine. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a quick written review on Apple Podcasts. This helps me to support more women through these stories and experiences just like today's episode. Trigger warning, in today's episode, we do discuss miscarriage and depression. If this is something that you have experienced, this episode may not be for you. I have listed some resources in the show notes if you are seeking support. Okay, let's dive into today's beautiful episode and conversation with Tara. Tara, thank you so, so much for joining me today on the podcast. Um, to say that I am wrapped to have, have you here is an absolute understatement. You are an incredible author and I have your beautiful book looking at me right now, sitting in front of me on my desk, which I just love. I look at it every single day. I'm in the middle of reading it. But before we get into that, let's have a chat about you. How are you? Oh, I'm fabulous. I'm so humbled to be here and chatting with you, Chris. Oh, that's so nice. So can you give um, the listeners a little bit of a snapshot into you and your life, your family, things like that for people that don't follow you on the gram? Yeah, sure. So I have two beautiful children, um, Austin and Sienna, a two-year-old and a four-year-old. Um, I am a wife as well. I have an incredible husband who's so supportive and um, just amazing. We have an incredible relationship. We've been together for, oh gosh, almost 17 years now. So wow. it's been, um, we've been through a lot. We've traveled the world. We've bought so many houses and now we're raising two beautiful kids and, and yeah. And um, I'm also a holistic counselor. I have a degree in psychology. I am a meditation teacher and I have just been working with mums of lately and it's just been incredible um, helping mums and support them through their journey in motherhood um, and being able to share my experiences and um, a process that I've created with them too now. So, yeah. That's amazing. And I love that you just mentioned how long you guys have been together. That is like, first of all, you you wear so many different hats in you and who you are. And I'm sure you've worn a million more different hats in your relationship because you guys would have just grown through so many different stages of life. So that's, that's really beautiful. It's not common now to hear that it's not common now to hear a relationship being over a, a decade. You know, you know, like one in three yeah, do end in divorce. I totally agree. So yeah, it's incredible. And I love that. That that lights me up. That makes me so happy. So that's lovely to hear. Really hard, mind you. Has it come easy? Like 17 years, it's been a lot of ups and downs. So yeah, it's I I totally agree on that that front. Yeah. It's so cool. It's so cool. It's definitely a goal of mine to, well, I'm certainly not getting divorced anytime soon, but it's just, you know, <laughs> going to be such a nice feeling to know that we've, we've worked together, we've grown together, you know, you, you grow a family and in, when you're growing a family and so many shifts and changes come, you know, in that term matrescence, the transitional and transformational experience that you go through as a mum when you almost rebirth yourself. And when we rebirth ourselves, it's you either have your support person grow with you or sadly a lot of people do grow apart so I think that's really special yeah absolutely absolutely first question (laughs) firstly congratulations on publishing your first book would you like to take us through I suppose the journey of what led you to going hey I'm gonna write a book yeah thank you so much um it as I mentioned it's such an incredible feeling having my book out there into the world now Um, And it was my own journey into motherhood that led me to write the book. And I'd love to share that with you if if that's all right. I I guess it all started when my husband and I started to plan for a family. And we were so excited about this next chapter. But life had all these other plans for us. Um, While trying to have a baby at 11 weeks, I experienced uh, a devastating missed miscarriage. Mm. And what that means is when my body was all my bloods were coming up perfectly fine I got to my 12-week scan and they were unable to pick up a heartbeat 
and uh, I was absolutely devastated getting that news and I um, had some surgery so I had a DNC and three months later I wasn't getting my period so I went back and spoke to a few uh, doctors and I was diagnosed with what they refer to as Asherman syndrome. And Asherman syndrome is where my uterus was severely scarred and I was told I would never be able to fall pregnant. How old as, were you when that happened? Sorry, how long? How old were you? Oh, so I was 29 when that happened. Yeah. yeah. And um, I, yeah, refused to believe it. I. So I spent the next three years um, trying to find anything and everything um, to help me fall pregnant. So I did detox programs, acupuncture. Uh, I spoke to fertility specialists and went um, and went through the whole process of IVF too. And I guess after three years, my hopes began to fade and I became deeply depressed mm. and overweight from all the medication I was taking with the IVF. And I was turning to comfort food as well. And I remember this one night when I saw this picture of my grandfather and I remembered the magic of mornings and what it held for him. And he always started his day calm and centered. And he would always walk to the shop, grab a newspaper, come back, read it and listen to the radio and plan his day. And he always had this boundless energy about him so much that in his early 90s, he was still running up and down stairs. So even though I thought, you know, I, I, I always had like this morning ritual, um, but through my IVF, I kind of let it all slip away. So the next morning I dedicated myself and I started my ritual again. And gradually, one morning at a time, my life began to change and I found clarity on what I wanted in life. I broke my life up into five different areas and um, really focused on what was important to me. And the three key things that kind of came out in that process was I wanted to be my own boss. I wanted to live a simple life at the coast and I wanted to have one more go at having a baby. And if that failed, I would look into surrogacy. Episode is proudly supported by Westfield Katara. Westfield Katara have launched a new mini kids pass for kids 12 and under. Perfect for the school holidays coming up, weekends, or during the week with your toddler. Start the morning off with a visit to Australia's favourite juice and smoothie bar and grab the kids a nutritious and delicious junior smoothie or crush. Then head over for an unlimited play. Yes, that is right, unlimited play at Katara's Little Sandpiper. Basically, kid heaven with a giant ball pit, slides, arcade games and don't worry mums a cafe for a bite or coffee while the kids are entertained for hours next up after all that running around the kids are going to need a bite to eat so we visit our family favorite subway for a delicious ham and cheese toasty drink and of course cookie of your choice after lunch it's time to visit harry hartog where the little ones can choose a book of their very own to take home from the enormous range of little golden books all of this value normally at $63 for a total cost of only $25, which includes five hours of free parking. Now, for the bigger kiddies, Westfield Katara have the Mega Kids Pass 2, which includes a VMAX ticket to event cinemas, grilled, cold rock and time zone for only $35. Also includes five hours parking. These passes are insane value and the perfect entertainment for you and your family. Get your passes now at the concierge desk at Westfield Katara. So much that I actually went to a surrogacy conference here in Brisbane and I started to draft an open letter to find a surrogate. So we sold our house and we moved up to the beach and through this time I kept my morning ritual in place. And I really started to go deep into my meditation practice. I've always had it, uh, gosh, back from 2005, I, you know, learned how to meditate and did um, all these um, courses. And I really started to surrender and just surrender to my life path. And, you know, look, what will be, will be. And three months later, we couldn't believe it. I fell pregnant naturally. Wow. I remember the morning. Yeah, it was such a cool experience. I, um, I think it was late, um, like uh, two days late. So I got through, looked through my toiletry bag, found this pregnancy test. I took the test and I quickly ran to the chemist, got through more, <laughs> just to double check. And I, um, yeah, it all came up 
um, positive. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. We were so, so happy. But that first 12 weeks, I was so flipping nervous. And it wasn't until I heard that heartbeat, I could really, really relax. Absolutely. I can totally resonate with that. It's such a scary time for someone that had been through, you know, being told that 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 path wasn't going to happen for you. You don't want to share the news. You know, I personally didn't want anyone to know until after 12 weeks. Um, I didn't mainly want my stepdaughters to find out or anyone know before them. So because I didn't want them to go through a loss if something had happened. So I just refused to tell anyone that I found that really hard. But even I remember the first ultrasound walking into that, I thought there's a, I just kept telling myself, you need to be, you know, you need to prepare yourself for the fact this, you might not hear a heartbeat because I was so sure that something could go wrong. Um, so I can definitely resonate with, with that there for you. Yeah, it's funny how um, it's the same, exactly the same, Chris. Like I remember walking back into that um, to that room and having all those same feelings come back um, like the first time I'd experienced it. Um, so I think once I started to hear that heartbeat, you know, I started to breathe and the um, lady was really lovely. She actually recorded the heartbeat for me. So I was able to kind of take that home and listen to that um, as well. So I really connect with the bub um, while um, I got through that next week which was lovely um you know look I had a beautiful pregnancy um my birth was okay probably another story for another day yes. um but once once my son came into the world oh gosh like the reality is a motherhood really set in you know I was living away from friends and family and my husband is actually commuting um four hours to work each day so I raised my son solo in that first year with limited support and Chris, I, oh gosh, I did my best. I was trying to navigate it all, barely keeping my head above water. Then the thrill of becoming a mum had quickly turned to overwhelm. I was always worrying. I felt so lonely and I had a lot of, lot of dark days. And, you know, even though I'd spent so long trying to fall pregnant, I was so thankful for my son coming into my life. But what I came to realise was that, like most mums, I never dedicated time for myself. And even if I managed to sneak in just like these few moments for myself, I was racked by all this like guilt and that I was being selfish and I was somehow neglecting like my motherly duties or something. And this lack of control and uh, connection led me spiralling back into days of depression and it wasn't until I realised that my morning ritual had kind of gone out the window and it was like lost in the mayhem of being a mum. And I really started to reflect on, on it and I realised it had become this source of calmness and, and clarity that kept me together through everything. So I reintroduced my morning ritual and took it a step further. I started researching and developing and, and refining my routine and I soon became happier, healthier. I could finish my life coaching course, my meditation teaching, and I started to enroll in my holistic counselling. And then remarkably, after I returned to my morning ritual, I actually fell pregnant with our second child naturally again. Um, look, coincidence maybe, but all I knew I'd been told that I'd never fall pregnant and here I was pregnant for a second time. Mm. And both times coincided with me using my mornings to heal my mind, my body and my soul. And I guess when my daughter came along, she had severe silent reflux. Mm. So I was sleeping upright with her for the first month, few months, screaming in pain, um, driving around trying to find you know, some sort of pain management plan for her. But through this time, I kept my morning ritual in place and I was not only able to keep my sanity, but raise two kids under two. I was able to study part-time and work part-time. And I guess my mornings became my saving grace. And that's when other mums became really curious about how I was surviving, raising my son and then staying up all night with my daughter with silent reflux. So I started to share my story. And what I realized was that we were all going through the same things. Not only did we all feel like we'd lost part of ourselves when we became a mum, but we also felt like all our needs had to go at the bottom of the pile. And then when I was researching, I found this really cool piece of um, research that said that 62% of parents 
say that their biggest challenge is looking after their own personal well-being. And that kind of leads to the family relationships to all suffer. And then as a result, 92% of couples reported an increased conflict in their baby's first year. And I was so shocked with this number, but I was also kind of relieved because this was evidence uh, that indicated that we were all feeling like this, not just the mums I was talking to. So I took my ritual and showed some other mums how to introduce it to their lives. And once they started to see similar results to mine, I then thought, wow, if this could help a couple mums, look, could it help a couple more? So I took everything I'd learned, researched and experienced with the aim to kind of create this program. But as it turned out, it formed into a book first. So that's how my book kind of came to be. And look, what I've learned from my own journey is that by controlling your own mornings, you can build this calmness and heal any part of your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm um, a third of the way through your book. I pick it up every single night to go to bed, but I always fall asleep. So <laughs> it's literally taking me like two months to read a book, which is I'm not like me, but I'm just exhausted by the time I get at the moment. And yeah, finding that, that space throughout the day is so hard. But every time I pick it up, I find myself, I want to go back and start like start it again so I could just read it, you know, all the way through because I, I'm in your work. I know what your voice sounds like because we voice message on Instagram. So I read it in your voice. So it's like it's a meditation for me, like of a night. It just soothes me. It's calming. I've got this calm Tara voice in my head as I read it. <laughs> and I just go off. To, I just pop it aside like, oh, okay, I can slow down now and go to sleep. It's such like a meditative ways to settle down without doing meditation so anyone yeah, a tip for someone um but yeah look I think that the, the book is just it's it's a very important message to harness your power in motherhood and in this season it is completely grueling and I totally resonate with that and the, our morning for, for me you, you know that I do get up early and exercise my yeah. movement is my therapy and my movement physically mentally it's not just for that but it's for my me time and a lot of people you know, I'm, I'm not saying that people should register self-care as exercise as self-care, but for me, I enjoy it so much that it is me time that I, I can switch off. It's the opportunity during my day where I'm thinking about nobody else, but the next rep that I have to do to, do, to the thing that I'm doing, you know what I mean? I don't often switch off that well. Um, and I love nothing more than walking in the front door, the sun's rising and so are my babies. And that works for me. Um, but and it's an empowering feeling, isn't it? Oh. It's such an incredible feeling where you can get up and welcome your babies with a big smile on your face saying, good morning, you know, Jesse, good morning, Lola, like mm-hmm. so wonderful to see you and come from that empowering place, you know, rather than being woken up by children and just rushing through your day. Yeah, yeah 100%. Um, even just this morning, as I was talking before we hit record that I haven't been that well. And I thought, no, I'm not going to do an early morning because it is winter now and it's cold. You know, I don't want to get sick. And um, Jesse woke um, surprisingly at quarter to five, which is not his normal time. He normally wakes at six and I couldn't believe it. And at first when I got up, I was like, oh, I can't believe he's up. I was like, I get to, I get to, I get to, I get to. And I just went in, gave him the biggest cuddle. He asked for his bottle and to go and watch TV. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, we're going to sit on the lounge and watch the sun come up together. And I just embraced that. And that was empowering on its own. That yeah. gave me support in that moment. Like just knowing there are so many families out there that would love this privilege to be sitting with their child right now watching the sun come up. And I just went and it shifted straight away. Yeah. And that's a really good way to align yourself with the new energy of the day too. Even just mm-hmm. watching it up in that meditative state allows you just to fill your own cup, even though you're probably not meditating or working out or doing anything, but you're just sitting there being present with your son you know, and being a mum and being there for him, but also being a woman in your own skin, watching the sun come up. That's incredible. Yeah. The ocean for me has always been quite soothing as well. And so meditation, I try to, whenever we go away to our, um, we've got a cabin about 40 Ks out of um, our town and we, the beach is about a hundred meters from us. And every time I'm there that I use that opportunity to just go and sit on the sand and just watch the ocean and close my eyes and listen to the ocean. And that's such a meditative thing for me to, to do and to practice. Um, and when I'm in the habit of meditating morning and night, that's really awesome as well for me, because I do find that it's just it allows me to own my day. Um, it allows me to live with more intention. It allows me to just be in my own 
own space in a safe space for me if that makes sense because you know the hats and the mind and we're racing we're you know going to and from we never just sit and even if you know we might sit and have a coffee but we're doing 14 other things so yeah yeah I do I do really love that it's so true and we tend to sit in our minds a lot don't we we tend to worry all the time or what Mm. what's the next um, meal that we need to get ready what's you know crap I've got to do like the laundry I've got to do um drop-offs, daycare drop-offs, all that. So it's really important for us as mums, I feel, to really come back to our bodies and really tune back into ourselves and into our, um, and ground ourselves in in a way that enables us to give from that full cup rather than an empty one. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. You touched on a few things mothers typically do experience. I'd love to explore this a little deeper. So what is the typical experience that mums go through that is so challenging? And secondly, why is it so hard for mums to talk about and share what they're going through in your experience? Yeah, I think the adjustment to motherhood is so difficult because there are multiple shifts that happen. And if we think about it, like a new baby means um, a new mother, a new father and a new family. And so becoming a mum is not just like this transition or uh, lifestyle change, like moving to a new city or starting a new fitness program or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, motherhood, and especially for first-time mums, it's a major life passage. And generally three things happen. First, your social life, your job, your interests, and often your primary relationship are all put on hold. And this causes a loss of identity. Second, you kind of start comparing yourself on social media to all these beautifully dressed moms who lost their weight and look like they've got everything together and you think, gosh, what's wrong with me? You know, I should be like that too. And then lastly, you put yourself last. You know, your baby's needs, um, the house, the meals, the errands, you become exhausted and overwhelmed and you can't even get to the hairdresser or the dentist or whatever. And it doesn't take long to kind of feel completely burnt out and you begin to lose all the motivation for the things you used to enjoy and I really believe that it's hard for us moms to really talk about and share what we're going through because of all these expectations around us and the roles we have to play and society expects and we expect ourselves to kind of rise above all these challenges with ease because we love being a mum because being a mum is wonderful and it is wonderful But if we deny the other part, we harm ourselves and our family. And so what I've come to believe is that everyone has two versions of themselves. The first is the identity you walk around with that's made up of roles. So you're the mum, the business owner, the lawyer. This, however, is only the shell. And it's really the role that you've been playing in the world. And it's the role that you've been playing for someone else. Mm -hmm. It's role you choose to play so that you fit into society and then there's the second version of you the person you secretly desire to be and what I refer to as our core identity and our core identity is always trying to tell um, the outer world our deepest desires so if you think about what you really want in life you probably find that it's not money or wealth it's it's all about experiences So whether it's the experience of travel, living in a gorgeous home or watching your children play outside, you know, and I feel like it took me, gosh, it took me years to understand that success in my professional life doesn't equal fulfillment. It's just this one part of my life. And I was brought up, yeah, I was brought up to achieve and I was really reluctant to admit that my values in my 20s had changed. And part of me felt like I'd failed because if I hadn't reached those goals I'd set, um, you know, it was, um, yeah, I felt like I'd failed myself. And what I realized that those values and those dreams that I had weren't my dreams anymore. I think it's a real important conversation for us mums to have because when we can listen to that core identity and what it's trying to say, we can create a life plan that's more in line with who we are and what we want to accomplish in the world. Yeah, well, 
Yeah, that's, um, that's incredible. One thing that I have been learning about myself recently is, you know, I suppose my core identity or my core beliefs, um, mm. I used to, I suppose, have similar terminology, you know, it's success, it's, um, it's family and it's love and it's marriage. Like these are the things mm. that I value at the highest. But once I've delved really deep into these and, and worked out what it is from these fractions of different, you know, these different parts of my life that do mean fulfillment and success to me, really stem from freedom being one and connection being two Those, mm-hmm. um I, and I truly believe that they align so so much with my soul because if I don't have those two things in my life, then I'm unhappy and I'm unsuccessful and I'm unfulfilled and also noticing that I have whilst I don't have it to the scale that I dream of, the connection to the scale that I dream of and the freedom to the scale I dream of, I do have those two things now. I have I have a version of them now and to be really present in the now that I have reached success and I have reached that fulfilment in those two core beliefs because I have that in my life and that can be really empowering. Absolutely. And what you believe probably in your 20s, what freedom and connection were, is completely different now to being a mum totally. and you can totally accept that freedom and connection might look completely different but in a way that's aligned with you where you are now and that could look different in 10 years time when you know the kids are a little bit older too that freedom connection can look completely different but you're right I think it's embracing those elements um, and part of your identity and being okay with where it is at the moment yeah, and I think the more that we can encourage other women and in particular other mums to to educate themselves on this information of, you know, beliefs and their core identity, I think it's really important because that then they can learn who they are themselves and we can stop being so hard on ourselves, we can stop punishing ourselves, we can stop the mum guilt, we can move through life knowing exactly what we want and exactly who we are and that's what it's all about, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And I think um, there's so much information telling us what we should be doing. And, you know, I think once you become a mum, it's so important just to put blinders on what everyone else is doing and just focus on your own journey and focus on who you are now. Mm, yeah. I've been the worst culprit for that. I'll put my hand up because I I think I don't know when comparison started for me I've tried to go back and figure out how early in my younger years that it was that I started comparing myself to other humans but it's got to it got to a point a little while ago where I felt like I was failing every single day and I was at the peak of anxiety and I was going through a lot of things externally and I had a lot of pressures on me at the time but I felt like I was a terrible mother and a terrible wife and a terrible person because I was comparing myself to what everyone else was doing. But all I see is 1% of other people's day on Instagram. I don't see the things that they're doing behind the phone. So, you know, I think it's really an important message as well, just to remind yourself that you have one life. This is your life. This is your family. No one can take that from you. These are your values, your relationships. Stop thinking that the end, that anyone else holds power to that. Like stay in your power, stay in your lane and yeah, really focus on yourself. Yeah, and I think your values actually change when you become a mum too. So it's really important to reevaluate where you are in your life. And that will give you that decision-making framework or that North Star to like aim for and stop that comparonitis. You know, it's um, so important. Yeah, I think that whole transition to motherhood is a really beautiful opportunity to look at yourself in a loving, caring way and work out what's what's important to you now that you're a mom because it's so everything's changed everything's flipped on its head so yeah I totally agree a hundred percent so tell me how how do you help mums deal what what's generally your approach with you with supporting other women yeah I think women are awakening to their power everywhere and I think especially now that that they when they become a mum so I help mums develop a warrior mindset to really step into their power. And to have a warrior mindset, you need four things. The first is to discover your purpose. And that's all about getting clear about your true needs and desires. And look, no one knows what you need more than what you do. Mm. The second thing is about living consciously. And this is all about cultivating awareness. So the more aware you are in any situation, the more possibilities you tend to perceive the more options you then have 
and then the more powerful you become and by powerful I mean you're like your personal power um it, living consciously means seeking to be aware of everything that affects your actions your purposes your values and your goals and behaving in a way which you know the third one is creating your life plan and committing to it and this is all about believing in yourself so whatever goals you have large or small you need to create a clear path to achieve them so whether you want to earn more to take the kids on a holiday or uh, start your dream business you know from home you need to create you need to take consistent purposeful action and lastly it's all about harnessing the dawn and this is all about setting yourself up for success and there's a reason why women like oprah and ariana huffington use that first hour of their day to set themselves up for success it works mm. so designing your mornings gives you the ability to be the best version of yourself and the best role model for your kids and i think when you decide to become a dawn warrior you no longer view yourself as a victim to the circumstances you can't control. You know you have the choice to shape your life. And when you learn to show up for yourself and do that inner work, you realise that you can become an empowered woman and, yeah, be an incredible role model for your kids. Yeah, wow. I like that you touched on there about, um, you know, being a victim. I think that a lot of us over our lives, we've often when things have come up, when shame comes up, when fear of judgment comes up or when we, we are being judged or, you know, when there's conflict or, or heartache or heartbreak, those things come up, we can often, and I want to be cautious with how I, I say this, but I feel, and I'll put my hand up and say that I've done this too, we sit in, we sit in, in a victim mentality, I think, and I think the more tools that we can provide ourselves with to really be self-aware when that's happening and go, whoa, hold on. How can I take the control back? How can I take my power back, harness my power? You know, how can I live more intentionally in this moment? Because this isn't serving me and really being self-aware when something is no longer serving its purpose. And quite often a lot of women, I do believe we, we will sit in that victim mentality for a really long time. And it takes a lot of growth to come back out, but I'm hopeful that, you know, your message can reach as many women as possible because I feel like if once they hear it, there's going to be a lot less victim mentality going on. Do you know what I mean? Like I just want women not to, you can be there. You can sit there if you need to. If you can, you know, if that comes up for you, then that's okay. We all have emotions. We all process things differently. But I think if we can move through that faster than a lot of people do, the better it will be for especially our parenting journey and our motherhood because we're then projecting that onto our children and we're teaching our children how to do that because they're watching. I know they're watching. Um, and we see our kids doing that too as they, you know, they reach a certain age where they start this victim mentality and woe is me. Um, I won't go into too much detail, but I have a brother four years, my junior, who I don't have, I have a disconnected relationship with. And from a baby, like, I mean, from as one is what I can remember this childhood having a victim mentality because he saw my father who I'm also disconnected from having that mentality as a parent and that he carried that through his entire life and even to this day he still has a victim mentality everything someone else's fault it's woe is me and he does not have the tools to deal with that and to move through that so I just think yeah teaching ourselves and practicing what your, that message is to be able to move through it and harness our power in other areas. So important. Absolutely. I totally agree. Um, and Sorry, I'm on a bit of a tangent like, there. <laughs> no, I, think, I, I think it's important because we can sometimes sit into that, sit in that um, mentality because it's been a habitual thing. It's something that we've grown up with. It's something that we've seen. I totally agree in that regard. Um, and you're right, our children see it. Our children pick up on the energy that we're putting out there. They're picking up the words that we're saying. They're picking up the way that we're responding. Yep. So, you know, it's going from that victim mentality up, you know, this next level of consciousness, um, you know, it does take this growth and expansion and, um, you know, the ability to um, stay there and notice when you do slip back down that you can pull yourself back up. Yes, absolutely. Now, 
in part two, I know in your book, I did skip through a little bit. So I do know quite a bit about how, well, I know how it ends because I wanted to see the last page. I always do that. Does anyone else do that? Like pick up a book and read the last page so you know how it ends? I don't, I've done it like, I don't know, since I was little, I've always done it. Anyway, but in part two of your book, you talk yeah. about life design. Firstly, for those that have no idea what that means, can you give us a bit of a brief on that? Yeah, so life design is looking at your life and designing it in a way that is empowering and important to you, not society, not what your parents say, not what your partner says to you. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of power and intentionality, especially when it comes to planning a day. And research has shown that 40% of our happiness comes from what we intentionally do with our day and how we structure it. Mm. So 50% of our happiness is determined by our genes and 10% is by our life circumstances. So long-term planning kind of pays off, I guess. So what I say to mums is if you can imagine your life five years from now with a life plan in place, you know, if you've designed your life in a way that's important to you, that embodies your values, you are now a happy mum surrounded by a loving husband, emotionally resilient children, minimal strengths, and 80% of your day, for instance, is in line with what you want to be doing on a consistent basis where you feel more powerful, more passionate and in a place of true contentment. And now imagine your life five years from now without a plan where you're looking back at yourself and thinking, gosh, what if? Or where did that time go? And you start to feel stuck on this treadmill of life and a victim to the world around you. And you end up being this really unhappy mum telling your kids how to behave rather than showing them how to live a wonderful life. Whoa, that's powerful, that statement right there. Teach, showing them how to live a wonderful life rather than just telling them how to behave. Yeah. I'm blown. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So there's so much power in um, designing your life. And as I mentioned before, you know, becoming a mum is a beautiful opportunity mm. to do that now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. Life design <laughs> from what I like. So this is a new teaching for me. So something that I'm still mm. sort of learning and, you know, compiling all of the elements of things that we want for our future selves and setting them, those ourselves up intentionally for, you know, five, 10 years, because sometimes we get caught up in the, next week or next year next year we'll go on holiday next year we'll talk about moving house and we don't go any further than that and I'm yeah definitely somebody that does that because I can't think that far ahead you'll hear me say that a hundred times a week I can't think that far ahead talk to me in next year talk to me when that problem comes up because there's already so much in front of us that it's really difficult to plan that far ahead but you know if I think about five years time for me my son will be starting school that breaks my heart but at the same time that also gives me a sense of calm because I'm like okay maybe I can start living again maybe I can start doing all the things I need to do um we my husband and I often talk about my daughter and son them both being school-aged and what a difference our lives will be because we won't be nappies we won't be you know prams and getting in our cars and the hassle of going somewhere overnight with two babies it just doesn't happen and as you know I have two school-aged children as well my stepdaughters and it's just absolute chaos and we have this dream of the future but we're not really setting anything in stone if that makes sense mm -hmm. we're always talking yeah. about when this happens or when they're older but when they're old is going to come and then we're going to be like oh what are we what are we doing so yeah I really like that's how you've explained it thank you that's right. Yeah, it's all about intentionality and setting that intention. And I think um, if five years seems too far away, sometimes it's good to look at it from a three-year perspective as well. Mm -hmm. What can I be doing in three years? And if you can start doing little small habits that get you to where you want to be, um, it becomes a lot easier when the kids are that little bit older to put those wheels in motion a lot quicker as well. Mm -hmm. And I think you become a lot more empowered to respond rather than react and I think responding in an empowered way is a completely different way than reacting yeah, yeah absolutely and that's I am somebody at the moment who's really self-aware about behaviors of my own behaviors of other people because how that does reflect on my children um yeah. and response over reaction is huge for me at the moment so you know coming from a place of compassion and empathy love and kindness those four things I do often have to say in my head before I 
respond to a child, um, in particular school-aged children that are quite sassy and going through a lot of feelings and emotions. And, you know, I was that child once. So coming from those four, one of those four places always allows me to have a really, you know, calm, present response. Um, but I have my moments, you know, last night I was putting Lola to bed and I was pat, pat, patting and Jesse came in. She was asleep in my arms. Jesse came in and screamed at the top of his lungs for no, no good reason. He just did it. And I was so angry and I was just like, I have been patting her for half an hour. Like I'm so mad at you right now. And I gritted my teeth and I reacted to him. And as soon as I did, I was like, I didn't even allow myself the time to come from a place of compassion. And my reaction now was he exactly what he did to me. I just gave him permission to do it back again. Um, yeah. Motherhood is hard when that stuff comes up, but if we can continually practice what we preach in that regard, then we will be able to serve our children and respond over react. Absolutely. And I think, look, I think it's only natural for us, you know, to get triggered in those certain ways. And <laughs> I think it's so important for us to acknowledge that, hey, I just responded in a way that I didn't want to. Sorry, I reacted in the way I didn't want to. <laughs> I wanted to respond in this way. But, you know, I've, I too find myself, you know, um, doing exactly what you said, you know, responding in, in a way that doesn't serve me or my children but I practice and I apologize straight away and I've noticed that once I apologize and I say I'm sorry you know mommy didn't mean to you know yell at you or to tell you off or anything like that that I've noticed that they've picked that up too you know so they've they've been able to say sorry mom I didn't mean mommy I didn't mean to yell or you know scream so you know I think um, responding you know having some sort of plan of attack as well when you do respond in those ways is um you know good little thing to have in the back absolutely (laughs) taking responsibility for your actions you know such a it's a very common thing that children learn from preschool to kindergarten and things but it does get lost in translation I think and in in the home um, environment it can get lost a lot because you know we as adults forget to take responsibility when we do something like oh I forgot to that I said that I promised that I would do baking with you on this day and I forgot about it and you said that you were upset but I didn't I didn't even acknowledge it. I just went, oh, well, we'll do it next week. I think it's really important yeah. that we need to be super self-aware in those moments because that does that that creates behavioural patterns for children then to think that people can let them down and not apologise for it later in life. Um, and that's where, you know, that, that's where self-worth and self-esteem, that all, that all sort of comes up as well. So I think that, yeah, if, if we are always taking responsibility for our actions, no matter how big or small, that can make waves in any home absolutely absolutely 100% it's all a learning curve isn't it it's always testing yeah. us and um yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. your book. In different ways. <laughs> we've gone off on a little tangent I think yeah. I really sorry about that but back to your book right. the yeah. title is dawn warrior and a big yeah. part about a morning ritual which you like to call the golden hour can you take us through what does your morning rituals actually look like and why are they so important each individually Yes, yes. So the golden hour is your special time and it's a way to connect with yourself on a daily basis, away from the noise, the demands of busyness of family life and commitment to this time creates a sanctuary. And the golden hour is divided up into three parts, uh, movement, mindset and magic. And magic is really about life planning. And I'll take you through each of those. So movement is any kind of exercise that you want to do. So um, things that you enjoy, whether it's yoga, Pilates, um, low intensity exercise, whatever it is. But the only essential thing I strongly recommend is that you need to sweat. Sweating is important because it lowers your cortisol, which reduces stress. And it also releases this energy from your body, which primes you for the next part, which is your mindset. And the most powerful method and the one I prefer to improve our mindset is meditation and what's really cool about meditation is that it can help slow your brain waves down to a state where you actually stop worrying something I think all moms would really really like so I just want to dispel a myth actually about meditation it's not all about zenning out and being a calm mom I meditate to um, get good at life not meditation you know I meditate to be a good mom and it's a tool that I use to make me more resilient And a real easy way to get into it is to use um, 
guided meditations. Yes. Uh, I share mine on Spotify and Insight Timer and you can use them like they're short. They're, you know, four to ten minutes and it's a really good way to um, to expose okay. yourself to just that in the show. Yourself. Yeah. yeah. Incredible. And the last part is about planning your day in your life. And it really focuses on um, setting goals and creating an action plan. And it's based on the life design process I take mums through to help them create the blueprint for their best life. Mm. And all three three parts build off each other. And so the movement primes your body for the mindset and the mindset primes your body for the planning. And energetically, it allows both that feminine energy, so that soft, intuitive side, be seen, felt and heard, and the masculine energy of doing be seen, felt and heard too. And it's like this yin and yang and that's why it's so powerful because it can move you forward in ways that you've never experienced before because most of us either sit in one or the other energy, not both. So if you can start your day with both, it's a powerful advantage. Mm. Magic. It's yeah. magic for so many people that are doing it and people that aren't doing it. You need to be, my goodness, it would just make, yeah, it would be so powerful for anyone's day who is just rolling out of bed of a morning and feeling that overwhelm and feeling that anxiety when the kids wake up straight away and you're like, oh God, I need a coffee, coffee first, then I'll open my eyes, then I'll have a conversation. Like there's so many more energetic ways that we can harness our power and harness our day and and do positive things that will make us better women better wives better mums better friends sisters all the things you know so I just think it's such a your practices and what you're offering for women is so simple separately it seems that it, it could be quite overwhelming meditation for me at the start when everyone was you know it started to be a cool thing on Instagram and I was like I'm gonna meditate I just sit and I hear everything in my head. There's no, there was no calm and it was overwhelming for me because I thought I had to sit and do it for 20 to 30 minutes to be yeah, no. at meditation. Yeah, you don't need to do that. No, I know. There's this, yeah, there's this, um, so many people believe that you just need to sit there and zen out and everything. And that's why I say use a guided meditation. A guided meditation will take you through. It'll help clear your thoughts and just put some focus on exactly what you want to be working on, whether it is, you know, um, being more present in your day, if you're dealing with some anger issues or mother rage or mother guilt, like you can find meditations that um, allow you to focus on those elements. Um, And it doesn't have to be sitting there for 20 minutes. I mean, you can sit up in bed and do it, you know, it's, yeah, I think we put so much pressure on, ourselves and we have this image of what meditation is but it can come in so many different forms like mindful um, movement meditation so if you're not someone who likes to sit there you move a lot there's movement meditation you can do as well with the kids. I personally jump in when I have a shower and I've been doing this for so long that I don't even really think of it as meditation but I just do it um but I do I did start it so because I just couldn't get in the habit of meditation and I'd done a few guided ones but I was often interrupted and I just could never get a rhythm with it and when I go into the shower and I step that's my moment of you know like most people that's your moment alone without kids yeah. at you when no one's screaming at me I'm usually alone um but yeah look I get in the shower and I just let the water wash over my face and I just stand there and I just sink my head under the water and I visually imagine the water washing away all of my stress I think I let a thought in and I let it wash away and I've suggested that to a couple of girlfriends actually when they've been like I don't have time for meditation I'm like well you do every yeah. time for what's important yeah so that's something that was important to me and now that's just a habit that I do every single day um twice a day and it really Really calms me and it just allows my thoughts to just be gone and I often find that I enter a creative energy when I walk out of a shower of a night and of a morning um, because I go to the gym so I shower you know morning and night and I get this creative energy energy you know come in from inside me it's really cool and you do do you notice on the days that you don't do that that yep. two energies just all over that. Yeah. So it helps center your energy and get it flowing in the right direction. Yeah. And ground um, you, like you were saying earlier, it's so grounding. Yeah. I, I do the same thing. Like I have what I refer to as my Zen 10 in the shower. So Zen, Zenning out for 10 minutes in the shower. Same thing. Um, feeling, uh, getting all the senses kind of going. So feeling that water, feeling the water pellets, 
um, you know, uh, the steam, the sound of the water rushing over you, that can just be enough just to center that energy and get that energy flowing in this kind of format um, in your body. Um, yeah, look, if meditation isn't, um, look, that's just my preferred method. I also talk about in my book about journaling and using, um, you know, conscious, the conscious stream and journaling with that as well. So mm -hmm. if meditation isn't your thing, yeah. you know, there's journaling and using that as well. So, yeah. Yeah, I definitely enjoy journaling. And that's another component or element, I suppose, that I found really overwhelming a long time ago. And I was like, I've got a journal and I'm not doing it right or I'm not enjoying it. But what works for me is journal prompting questions or just writing three things I'm grateful for or, you know, three intentions for the next day. Think keeping it really simple. Um yeah, journal prompting questions you can find almost anywhere. So it's really handy to just simplify these yeah. things. And I love that your entire book is shaped around simplifying these things and bringing them all together and doing it within, you know, a small amount of fraction of time where you can do it in your own space, in your own time, and it will just set you up for a better future. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What um, is the main point or lesson you really want mums to take away from the book, Tara? Yeah, so many new mums believe that they just have to wait till the years go by to get that other life back, um, you know, or to move forward on their new goals. And only then will yep. there be time and energy for their career or their hobbies or just to relax. What my book is about is that you don't have to wait. And the Dawn Warrior Path is a system and a proven program with two key benefits that support each other. Reclaim your energy and nurture yourself now and plan and achieve your ideal life for the future one morning at a time. And the book contains practices like affirmations, guided meditations, and it's full of planning tools and exercises for mums designed to help them enjoy the journey of the day and enjoy the journey of motherhood, sorry, and really focus on their own awakening and the development at the same time. Amazing. I cannot wait for women to hear this episode and to read your book because it's been very empowering for me. So yeah, I can't wait to share it. Well, thank you, Tara, so, so much for your time and energy today in this conversation. I'm really, really grateful to have had you on the show. Um, and I will make sure that all your details are all in the show notes for everyone so they can find you, so they can buy your book, so they can listen to your meditation. You're a woman of every trade. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to hearing what everyone thinks of this episode. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Inside Out. I really want to grow in this space and make sure these stories and experiences are heard. If this episode resonated with you, I would love to hear from you. Please leave me a review and hit subscribe to ensure you don't miss our next conversation. Please also join me on Instagram and let me know what you thought about this episode at Inside Out with Chris. I can't wait to share more with you really soon.